0: So last week, we finished uh, Jonah, and as I, was, as I was finishing it, I was really um, praying and asking the Lord, Lord, lead me and guide me um, into the next series, into the next book that you want us to go through, and uh, he led me to 1 Peter. This first letter that Peter wrote focuses on the importance of believers to remain firm under unjust suffering yet continuing to live faithfully and obediently now some have commented that first peter might be called the job of the new testament because it provides encouragement for the true believer to continue on the way that jesus wanted for his followers you see the endurance uh, Peter called these believers, is similar to Job's, a man who suffered despite his righteousness. He will argue that this is the kind of true perseverance that God expects from his people. So um, let's, uh, before I continue on, let's open up with uh, a word of prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, I uh, thank you for this morning. I thank you for this time. I know that sometimes it Sundays can be really busy, can get hectic, you know, and in that hectic, uh, we, we forget again what it's all about. We forget that, you know, our focus should be on you, that it's a time of rest, it's a time of Sabbath, Lord. And so I just, uh, I come before you now, Lord, and just ask you that you calm my spirit, Lord. You just, uh, um, Anybody else's that's maybe wound up right now, Lord, they just be able to get some some rest now, just relax at your feet and just hear from you, Lord. Lord open our minds and our hearts to hear from you, Lord, in this uh, introduction that I'm about to give, Lord, that you help me to prepare, Lord, use us in a Use this, what we're going to study here, in a mighty way, so that when we come back the following week, Lord, we'll be fully prepared to, to, to hear from you, Lord. Thank you for being so good and so wonderful. Bless everyone here. Keep us safe this morning. Fill this room with your spirit. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Peter's intent of this letter is to encourage those who have, been, who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ to stand firm in a world that is often hostile to believers. You see, there was a time, and many of you may remember this. I know I barely do, but there was a time in America when a healthy family, when a healthy family unit was seen as the backbone of a strong society. And even church attendance was encouraged. Unfortunately, again, things have changed. It's not that way anymore. Um, national, state, and local governments have used its judges, educational institutions, and the media to misrepresent, ridicule, and even defame Bible-believing Christians. Television, films, music, news outlets, and many social media sites are often promoting immoral behavior, drug and alcohol use, and even blasphemy. Christians today are looked down upon and reviewed as just ignorant religious zealots who are obstacles to social progress Now even though We may not be dealing with the same kind of persecutions others face around the world at this very moment We're still hated and reviled simply for proclaiming the name of Jesus So the point of Peter's letter is that Christ gives hope in hurtful times. It's this hope and our trust in God's future promises that ought to give us the strength to endure whatever painful trials come our way. You see, when you set your hope on the future, it reveals your salvation, that your salvation comes from Jesus Christ who bore your sins on the cross. So what this letter will do is remind you to stand firm during those periods of pain. It will encourage you to stand firm in a hostile, hostile world with faithfulness, holiness, and love. Now, before we begin actually diving into this letter, I felt it was necessary that we first familiarize ourselves as much as possible with this letter or with this book. And as you know, that's what I typically do. I'll spend, before we begin um, diving into a new book, I'll spend that first week just giving as much information as possible, uh, giving you a thorough background on the book. Um, You see, I strongly believe in the importance of understanding the background of each book of the Bible and the context in which each book was written my experience has been when has been that when you understand the who the when and the why the word of god has gr- has a greater tendency to speak to you instead of at you i've noticed that Again when I and well this particular Bible doesn't doesn't have it but usually most study Bibles they'll have a, a good introduction they'll have a good survey in the beginning of each book I would recommend reading that I know a lot of people in the beginning when I first became a Christian I just would skip through it and just start reading uh, the scripture but I've over time as I became more of a, a student of the Bible I started reading those introductions you know the the. the the settings the themes you know even that outline because it just gave more context it gave more depth to what to what I was reading and so when I would read um, a particular passage I'd be like okay that's you know I I could see it more I can picture it more in my head it's more you know uh, it's kind of like an extra Bible study that that you have in front of you so um, So that's basically what we're going to be doing uh, this morning with our time together. I'm just going to give you a good, thorough introduction to 1 Peter. So well, uh, I want to begin by sharing with you just some basic information about the author of this letter and when it was written. Now, though Peter identifies himself as the author in verse 1, he later mentions in in chapter 5, verse 12, that Silvanus is also associated with this letter. Now, in addition to Peter's statement there in verse one, historically, the early church was unanimous in recognizing this, this book as an, as an authentic letter from Peter. First Peter five, 1 Peter 5.1 gives additional evidence that Peter himself wrote this book. For there, the author calls himself a, wit- a witness to the sufferings of Christ. Such claim fits well with Peter's presence at Jesus' trial that are mentioned in the Gospels. Now, if this is the case again, it also means that 1 Peter 2.23 may be his recollection as an eyewitness. And there he says, when he was insulted, he did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to to the one who judges justly. Now it's important to note that there are many similarities also in language and grammatical structures uh, and that are found between this book, 1 Peter, and the recorded messages of Peter in in Acts. So not only that, but um, uh, with other evidence that I'm unable to mention here because of time, uh, most conservative modern scholars have included that Simon Peter, the disciple of Jesus Christ, indeed authored this letter. Now who is this Sylvanus that, that, that uh, who was this Sylvanus that helped Peter compose this great letter of hope? Well, according to Acts 15, he was one of the chief men in the early church, as well as a prophet. He was also mentioned in Acts 16 when he accompanied Paul during his second missionary journey and worked closely with Paul and Timothy in establishing and strengthening many of the churches that were planted in that area. So, Silvanus may have either scribed this letter for Paul or wrote this letter as, I mean, for Peter as Peter uh, spoke it, or he may have actually. Uh, written portions of it when it comes to the date first peter was written uh, when it comes to the date that first peter was written two important factors must be considered first according to church tradition peter died around a.d. 67 or 68 or 67 to 68 a.d. second around again that time um, or, or a few years earlier, the Emperor Nero, Nero the evil Emperor Nero. Now, I, again, I would suggest going, doing a, a search on who Nero was. He was one of the most evil emperors um, at that time, killed a lot of Christians, tortured a lot of Christians, um, horrible stories. Well, you know, I'll get a little bit, maybe I'll mention it a little bit more in a bit, but apparently he's, he, there was a big fire in Rome and he blamed it on the Christians. He blamed it that it, that it was then that was trying to, to destroy Rome. And so that began more persecutions. And that, you, that happened around 64 uh, A.D. Therefore, since the persecutions mentioned in the letter um, don't seem to be t- too well organized, an acceptable date for First Peter would be around 65 Now, I know most of you may, you know, maybe uh, this stuff is like over your head, but I know for myself, I think I mentioned it before as a history buff. I mean, I I enjoy this stuff. Uh, uh, So, this this is really good information. So, who was Peter writing to? Well, verse 1 tells us that Peter's letter was to born-again believers who were scattered throughout five Roman provinces in modern-day Turkey. It was uh, Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. These Christians he was writing to were a combination of Jews and Gentiles who were suffering severe persecution. Now, likely writing from Rome, Peter drew from both his Jewish background and his multicultural experience to create a message that communicated both groups that both groups would be able to understand in various occasions he mentioned passages from the old testament and images that had been familiar with that were would have been familiar to jewish christians and in other instances he made statements suggesting suggesting some of the readers were converted out of gentile paganism first and again peter in first verse one called them exiles which means resident aliens think uh those green cards you know those lapper cards resident aliens uh also uh, so, also means it was like that word also means sojourners and in 2:11, in the new living translation he said they were temporary aliens and foreigners as believers these people were citizens of heaven through faith in Christ, and therefore temporary residence here on earth. Like Abraham, they had their eyes set on a promised land. They had their, they had their eyes set on a future city of God. They were in the world, but not of the world. The important thing for us to know about these exiles dispersed abroad is that they were going through a time again of severe suffering and persecution. At least 15 times this letter, uh, in this letter, Peter referred to suffering, and he used eight different Greek words to do so. Some of these Christians were suffering simply because they were living godly lives and doing what was right and good. Thus, Peter wrote to encourage them to be good witnesses uh, to their persecutors and to remember that their suffering, their suffering would one day lead to glory. See he didn't want them, to, he didn't want them to see themselves as victims of religious and government persecutions, but rather he wanted them to see themselves as victors, victors in Christ. Now, the next thing I wanna do is to briefly explain what was going on around the time Peter wrote this letter. When the church began in Jerusalem, it was considered a sect of the traditional Jewish faith. The first Christians were Jews and they usually typically met in small house churches or in synagogues when those jewish leaders allowed them to at the time the roman government took no official action against these early christians since the jewish religion was accepted and approved however when it became clear that christianity was not a sect but an unsanctioned religion that's when the government, the Roman government stepped in. That's when they are like, no, this isn't going to fly. This hasn't been sanctioned by us, and this needs to go. Thereafter, several events occurred that led to this current situation. To begin with, in Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 24, um, after he was arrested, Paul had defended the Christian faith before the official court in Rome. Yet, as soon as he was released, what happens? He was arrested again. This second defense failed, and we later find out through uh, the letter in Timothy, or through his uh, letters, that he was later martyred. And as I mentioned earlier, second, the deranged emperor Nero. Blame the fire of Rome that happened in July, AD 64 on the Christians, using them as the scapegoat. Peter was probably writing from Rome about that time and was slain by Nero, and had also, who had also killed Paul. Nero's persecution of Christians, at first it was just local, it was just small, but soon it spread throughout the entire empire. So what Peter's attempting to do here is to prepare believers for a fiery trial that they were about to face when Christian persecution would become official, when it would become declared throughout the entire empire. Peter wrote to encourage suffering believers in Asia Minor to stand firm for Christ in the midst of the current coming persecution. He urged them to do so by focusing on their spiritual privileges, and more specifically, the place where their rights and privileges lay, the next life. He hoped they'd understand that believers in Jesus are exiles and foreigners in this world. And as pilgrims, they have no real right, rights or privileges. Inheritance rights, privileges, and justice for Christians really belong to another realm to which God has delivered believers. Heaven, our ultimate home. Now, I want to share some themes that you'll see throughout this book and then explain some um, Paul's main purpose. For writing it for writing this book now so what are the main themes in this book well as we go through this this and, and again you can either call it a book or a letter officially it's it's known as a letter but many uh, people will also call it a book which is acceptable um, four major themes in this letter will emerge theme one the reality Of suffering theme 2 the holiness of life theme 3 the grace of God theme 4 the hope of a future glory now if I were to point to one verse that I believe would be that I would that I believe I or I would consider the main theme of this letter It would be in chapter 5, verse 10. The God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little while. The theme of 1 Peter is that there's hope in the midst of severe trials, Such hope comes from a firm faith in the God of all grace. Now, Peter's purpose for writing this uh, this book is clearly stated two verses later in in, uh, chapter 5, verse 12. I have written to you briefly in order to encourage you and to testify that this is the true grace of God stand firm in it thus first peter's call to confidence first peter is a call to confidence and faithfulness to believers who are facing serious trials and that have them doubting whether they're truly in god's grace this letter is to affirm to them that yes indeed they are in god's grace and to stand firm in it by focusing on their future salvation, how they conduct themselves, and the truth of their calling. He wants them to be fully assured that Christianity is where where God's grace is found and why this assurance should keep them in the faith. See, in essence, he's exhorting every believer reading this letter to holy endurance whenever they're suffering or in distress. To Peter, who, who knew a lot about suffering. You go through the Gospels and, and, and Acts, you will see that Peter, God's, you know, I mean, Jesus' disciple went through a lot. He suffered a lot. He dealt with a lot. Um, but he he absolutely knew what suffering was all about. Well, again, uh, to Peter, suffering is something the Christians that Christians should see always see coming. In four twelve, chapter four verse twelve, he writes, "Don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you, as if something unusual." were happening to you. The truth is, church, ladies and gentlemen, we are foreigners here. We shouldn't expect to be treated differently until our king claims dominion forever and ever. You see, as Christians, although we can confidently say that, yes, we're saved, the Lord has saved us. He died for our sins, and we've given our you know, our hearts, and we've trusted in Jesus, although, yes, we can claim that, that we're saved. Really, the fullness of our salvation won't, isn't complete, or it won't be complete until we see Jesus face to face. In the meantime, until that day happens, since, and and since you received salvation, and have been empowered by God with a new life, you must orient your life towards the future revelation of Christ. So now that we've looked at a little bit of the background and setting that this letter was written, um, and some themes and, and, per, and the purpose, I want to now move on to, as to why this uh, book ought to be important to you specifically or uh, as a church, Uh, by explaining the overall message, how you and how you can apply it, and why 1 Peter is still relevant in the church today. Living in close proximity to Jesus Christ for more than three years had provided the Apostle apostle Peter the best possible example of what it looked like to live in homeless and holiness in a hostile world. More than any other man who walked on the earth, who walked the earth, Jesus mod- modeled that lifestyle. Peter therefore pointed to his readers in the best possible direction to Jesus himself. He was like, You know, you're suffering? Well, let me show you about Jesus. Let me show you how Jesus suffered. And he does this throughout this book by informing his readers. Actually, he does this by informing his readers regarding the living hope that they have in chapters one and two. He then exhorts his readers to hopeful living their, despite their strange life, or their, yeah, their strange life in chapters two and four. And finally, Peter comforts his readers in the midst of their fiery ordeal in chapters 4 and 5. You see, he wants believers, he wants Christians, you and I, to maintain our focus on the Lord, on our our Lord and Savior, in the midst of our our trials and and tribulations. Peter understands that by rooting your perseverance in the person and work of, of Christ, you can always cling to hope regardless of any hardship you're going through. The message of Peter can be summarized as a call to stand firm in grace. Peter isn't calling on his readers to earn God's grace or to strive to obtain a grace that isn't theirs. No. He's uh, there... No, he's um, there to stand in a grace that is already theirs. Any grace received on the last day, on, that, on the day when hope uh, becomes reality, um, flows from the grace they received when God called them to himself as his people. So what does this mean for all of us? What does this mean for you? What does this mean for me as believers? Well, even though you and I may not relate completely to the persecutions these first century Christians experienced, we can understand how difficult it is to persevere and wait for the Lord during hard times. And many of you, again, may know what I'm talking about. You know, you just you've already dealt or are maybe are dealing with some really difficult things and you're like, Lord, when are you going to come? It's just so hard. Things are, are, are difficult right now, you know, and, and, you know, I see people suffering, people close to me suffering. I'm, I'm suffering. I've got pains and aches and I've got, um, I don't know where, I, how am I going to pay for my next, my next bill? Um, you know, whatever, whatever trials or tribulations, maybe it's with other people, you're feeling there you're feeling some form of persecution maybe that's you but here again this book will show us how to persevere and wait on the lord during those times let me share with you four quick reasons why we as a church need this letter why we need first peter firstly we need first peter because we need a living we need living hope when we fall into despair. Some of you have probably been praying for something or for someone for a very long time, and it still hasn't been answered. Maybe you feel as though some things never seem to change. Maybe you feel like you're paralyzed with your circumstances, pushed into a corner, leaving you confused and discouraged despair can easily steal your joy and make you feel ineffective and fruitless in your faith all of us can use some hope not just to survive not just to survive or just to make it but hope that helps us thrive and grow in the midst of our circumstances how can flowers grow through the rocks of life? How can you find triumph in the midst of tragedy? This was Peter's desire for the believers he was writing to. How do you cultivate this living hope? How do you claim it for our lives or for your life? Here in this book, we'll look at that. We'll be reading about that. He'll be showing us Secondly, we need 1 Peter because we need to know what perseverance looks like. Usually when we're going through trials, we often, we're often we often told, you know what, hang in there. It will all work out in the end. Everything's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. Be strong. We mean well and we say these things, but sometimes we want to know that what we what some but sometimes we want to know what does it mean to wait on God? What does it mean and look like to persevere in the mists, in the midst of suffering? What does it mean in all our relationships inside and outside the church? Well again this book will help us with that. Thirdly, we need First Peter, because we need to know, know that no matter how big our suffering, um, how big our suffering is, that Jesus is even bigger. Unfortunately, it's easier to collapse under the strain, under that strain than to endure. It's easier to stop serving the Lord, to look at our circumstances and throw a pity party. And to rise triumphantly and realize that we are worshiping the same God who took the worst of mankind uh, in his, the, took the worst of mankind in history and turned it around to make it the greatest demonstration of grace and love this world has ever seen. I want to show you one quick verse in your Bible, so if you have it with you, uh, turn to uh, Philippians. Philippians chapter three. Verse 10, Paul writes, My goal is to know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering, being conformed to His death. There, Paul says that all he wants to know is Christ and the power of His resurrection. But as we finish, as he finishes that verse, he says, and that we may share in the sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Paul says here that part of, part of knowing Christ is not just about having power, but also partaking in the Lord's suffering. The word know here in this verse, there's, it, it indicates uh, or it means there's a deep, intimate personal knowledge of Jesus Christ we may know Jesus as a forgiver of our sins and Savior and Savior King but do we know him as a fellow partaker in our suffering do you know that no matter how much the waters of life are over your head that it is that it's still under his feet well, I pray that this book will help you, help us with that. And fourthly, lastly, we need 1 Peter because we need to know that God's grace is sufficient. Peter says that the reason he's writing for us, or is writing, is for us to stand firm in grace. Often in suffering or trying circumstances, don't you feel so weak, and help us. In this book, we will find out or we'll find how God's grace will give you courage. Other times we feel like we need to step in and make the change. We often take matters into our own hands. In this book, we'll find out how God's grace helps us to depend on God more and be humble in that process. I believe the Lord will show all of us in this book that his grace is sufficient. Now a fundamental aspect of Peter's teaching is to infuse in his, re- in his audience, into his readers, true Christian identity. He wants you as the reader to understand, appreciate, and appropriate your special relationship to God as a result of your salvation and your new relationship to others in the universal family of God. In other words, he doesn't, he doesn't want you to focus on, what, unbelieving, on the, what the unbelieving society thinks of you or how they may treat you because of your faith. Rather, he wants you to see that no matter what happens, God loves you protects you and has promised that when the end comes you will be vindicated and you will be glorified therefore you can rejoice now in your sufferings with an inexpressible joy in god's goodness you see peter's intent is for you to understand who you are before god so that you can be who you are in society. If you're a Christian here this morning, you've been given an assurance, you've been given an assurance of eternal life. And one way to identify with he who gave you eternal life is again to share in his suffering. Even if it means putting up with insults or being mocked by those who may consider you a goody two-shoes or call you holier than thou or may say you know that you're ignorant may call you homophobic may call you you know intolerant all those names that you've you know that people are pulling out now from the dictionary the truth is that there's nothing that's nothing all those names all those name or name calling is nothing compared to what christ suffered for you on the cross it's nothing so stand up for what you know and believe is right stand up for it don't cower don't feel ashamed stand up for what you believe is right and rejoice when the world at, and satan aim to hurt you like bring it on you know Christ has already given me the victory. You can bring it on, but I, you know, I'm not going to let you get to me. I know where my strength lies. I know where my faith lies. And I know that Jesus, in the end, Jesus is going to win. It's just a matter of changing your perspective, changing the way you think, changing the way you see the world. When you stop, again, allowing yourself to become a victim, and just uh, and see yourself again as the victor, as the uh, being victorious, everything changes. And that's again what, what we're going to see throughout this book. Now I know I kind of this is a short week or a short uh, message, but um, I'll, I'm going to begin closing with a quick summary of this introduction: Peter's intent in writing was to strengthen believers in the midst of their suffering, in the midst of suffering and the persecution they were facing. His message to them and to us continues to speak to modern believers, reminding us of our heavenly hope and eternal inheritance in the midst of our suffering. We are called to holiness and a life of love. We're also called to glorify God in our daily lives and to imitate Christ. Peter's encouragement to his Christian readers is also one of perseverance in faith. It isn't enough for us to simply get up every morning and trudge through the day, through each day. Neither is, advisable, neither is it advisable to paste a smile on your face and ignore troubles. Yeah, you know I, I I remember being in in several different churches and and meeting just introducing myself or meeting a bunch of a bunch of different kinds of men and and you can tell who had sincere smiles, who had sincere joy, and who was just putting up a front. And man, I, because I again I was just barely meeting and introducing I didn't want to appear rude or anything but I I did I just wanted to say what's going on what's really happening be honest with me be sincere I'm the kind of person that that likes realness you know if you want me to be real with you you know be real with me you know it's just a reciprocal thing I mean I, I that's that's what I appreciate just a guy that will just tell me, you know what, I'm hurting right now. I'm suffering. You know, I was on my face last, last night before God. And I was crying my eyes out. That touches me. That, you know, I'm like, oh brother, you know, I just want to just embrace that brother and just say, hey, let's pray. You know, let's let me encourage you with words, with, with prayer, with the Word of God. You know, there's nothing I can do for people who are just fake, have that fake smile. I don't know. I don't know what's going on if you don't tell me. The lesson of First Peter is to push through the troubles and hardships of life while walking in holiness and hope as people of faith. So here's what Warren Wisby said, or I'm, I'm sorry, not Warren Wisby, Chuck Swindoll said. He said, press on. It's in the darkest times that our collective light shines the brightest. Let's close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we look forward to really doing a deep dive into First Peter, the words that you gave First Peter or Peter to write. We're looking forward to gaining wisdom, gaining understanding, being strengthened. Lord, all of us have dealt with different kinds of trials, hardships. Some of us have gone already past them and are now walking. Um In a better relationship with you as a result some of us are going through them and we see no we don't see the light at the end of the tunnel lord for those people lord i I pray that they hold on to you and that they remember that there is a light at the end there is um, a bright sun behind those heavy clouds That you are there and that if they endure, they will come out stronger. They will come out um, more equipped. They will come out in love with you even more, Lord. Lord. I pray for everyone here that's going through that difficult time, Lord. Show them, encourage them, strengthen them, Lord. If there's anyone out there that is listening or watching and hasn't surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ, is going through maybe a difficult time, and you've looked around, you've tried different answers, tried to look for different answers in different ways, and haven't sought them, haven't found any comfort. I'm telling you now, just look to Jesus. Look to the cross. He will heal you. He will comfort you. He will restore you. He will forgive you all your sins. If that's you and you're ready to, to do that, with all sincerity from the bottom of your heart, wherever you're at, pray this simple prayer. Pray this through with all your heart. Jesus, I come before you and admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I confess that you are Lord take my sins away Lord make me new fill me with your Holy Spirit now Lord help me to know you and understand you from here on forward in Jesus name Amen thank you Lord Again, for everyone here, bless the we- their weak. Bless their families, Lord. Keep them healthy. Anybody that is sick or dealing with um, something difficult, Lord, I pray for them as so, well, oh Lord. Come soon, Lord. We're looking forward to it. We need you. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.